This episode of Author Stories is brought to you by the Writing Mastery Academy. Founded by Jessica Brody, author of the best-selling plotting guide, Save the Cat Writes a Novel. The Writing Mastery Academy features online, on-demand writing courses, including the official Save the Cat Writes a Novel companion course, novel fast drafting, crafting dynamic characters, and productivity hacks for writers to name just a few, plus monthly live webinars on various writing topics. Go to jessicabrody.com slash hank to learn more and get your first month of unlimited access to all the content for just $6. That's right, just $6. jessicabrody.com slash hank. You're listening to the Author Stories Podcast. Bringing you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Margaret White. Terry Brooks. Sheena Kamal. Matthew Quick. J.T. Ellison. Walt D. Williams. Brad Ford. Corey Doctorow. Brandon Sanders. Robin Mom. Ernest Klein. Jim Butcher. Sherwin Harris. Visit HankGarner.com for archives of all the shows. Today's guest is... Thanks for joining me again for the Author Stories Podcast, where I bring you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Today, I'm really excited to have Allison Hammer back on the show with me today. You might remember her uh, last year. She had a book called You and Me and Us, and it, it was a, uh, it, an enormous release that uh, just went gangbusters when it came out, really found uh, an, an audience and really resonated with people. Um, her new book, Little Pieces of Me uh, is guaranteed to do the same thing. Uh, and this was such a fun book. Um, and and I say fun, not that everything about the book um, was fun, because there are some, some uh, you know, things that really make you think and really make you feel for the characters, but a great experience. And I know that you're going to love this book as much as I did. Welcome back to the show, Allison. Thank you so much for having me again. I'm excited. So last year when we talked, uh, it was, you know, the first of April or so. And um, I I think we just kind of assumed that, uh, you know, we were going to have a couple of weeks of discomfort and then the world was going to get back to normal. Boy, were we wrong. We Um, were so wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I I listened back to it uh, yesterday and just I was like, oh, wow, if I if I knew, you know, I'm glad I didn't know then what I know now. I, I think that's probably the best way to put it. If if I mean, it sometimes just it blows my mind a little bit that this is my second book coming out in middle of the pandemic. Like, <laughs> I, you know, I remember having conversations. I don't know if we talked about it, but I definitely had conversations with people where I was like, should I redo the launch party in a couple months when it's safe? And like, here I am, another book, another virtual launch. <laughs> Still haven't had that in-store, in-person experience, but um, it's a it's a whole new world and we're trying to adapt the best we can. It's so weird. You, you know, so um, weird. <laughs> the, the, you know, a sophomore book is, is hard enough as it is, you mm-hmm. know, um, and, and, you know, there's so many reasons why, but, uh, for a lot of people, that first book, um, you know, you have the, the gift of anonymity. No, nobody knows who you are. Nobody knows that you're writing a book you know, probably a handful of people do, you know, um, people in your family, some close friends, um, but, you know, you have literally years to work on that first book. And right. as as much time as it takes Allison Hammer to put a book together, you can work on that first book. 
but then that second book, um, you know, that comes with deadlines and expectations and all of that kind of stuff. So pandemic aside, um, how was the, the follow-up book experience for you? So I'm actually pretty lucky because I do um, National Novel Writing Month, NaNoWriMo, every year. Yeah. And because publishing takes so long, I'm I'm always working on something new. And so like right now I'm working on what might be book five or book six. So I'm always pretty far ahead. So I wrote the very first draft of Little Pieces of Me. It used to be called Blank Page. Um, but I wrote that in 2017. And so the first draft of it. So I was editing during the pandemic. Um, but a lot of that work had been done before. So I was lucky for that. So you said that uh, little pieces of me used to be called blank page. Um, yeah. I love that. And, and, uh, that title is, is just as apropos as little pieces of me. Um, how important is a title to you to when, when you start working on a project, do you, do you have a title in mind and does that kind of set the tone for what you're doing? Does the title come later? What, what does the title mean to you? I, I'm pretty big into titles. My my day job is in advertising. And so titles are almost like headlines. And so I feel like I'm used to trying to take a lot, a big idea and put it into, you know, usually seven to 10 words. So this is a little bit more of a challenge. But um, the for you and me and us, they kept the title. They did change. Um, the big change that they made for that was changing the, the word. And it used to be an ampersand instead of the word and. But they wanted to make sure the marketing and sales team wanted to make sure people could find the book when they searched for it. Because if they, you know, it's not if they had typed in and and it had been ampersand, they wouldn't have been able to find it. And True. that was the similar um, fear for blank page because page is the main character's name and it's spelled you wouldn't know from hearing it that it's spelled P-A-I-G-E. And so they were worried that it would be too hard to find. And also my editor wanted it to be something that was a little bit more. Um, made it a little bit more clear what the book was about. And I'm really happy with with how it turned out. We had, we brainstormed a lot of different titles before landing on Little Pieces of Me. Well, what what does that tell you about the, the, the state of our society and how we buy books now that, that an ampersand versus spelling out the word and can make a difference in in a, a book's launch and, and how people find it, you know, uh, used to, you would walk into a bookstore and, you know, do you have that Allison Hammer book, you and yeah. me and us, I think. And, and, you know, they would say, yeah, it's over to the left. And, um, and, and now, you know, you've got to be able to properly search Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Yeah. And that's, uh, and wow. hashtags, you can't and, use an ampersand in a hashtag. <laughs> good grief. Let's don't even go down the hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, um, so you and me and us, uh, you know, launched during the pandemic. And, and like you said earlier, you, you've not been able to do in-store, um, you know, visits and, and stuff like that. But what were you able to do and how have you connected with readers? It, you know, I am a big believer in silver linings and there have been a lot of them. I think that the world going virtual, you know, while I, I still really want to someday have that experience of of signing books in a bookstore, um, I've been able to connect with people all around the all, all around the country. And um, one of my favorite things has been joining book clubs virtually. And, you know, in the old days, you could, of course, call or, or zoom in if everybody was in the room. But having everybody virtual, um, it makes for some really great conversations. I, I joined a book club in Haiti, which was unbelievable. And 
I don't know if that would have happened in a, in a non-pandemic world. And I think that just there've been, you know, we've been forced into this box and people have gotten creative with different podcasts and different shows and different opportunities to try and connect readers and, um, and authors. So um, there've actually been quite a few silver linings. Well, and, and one thing to remember is, is that you personally didn't, uh, well, I, I don't know if you had COVID or not, but, but it's not just you. I mean, the mm-hmm. whole world is in the same kind of boat. So it, it behooves all of us to, to find new ways to connect and, and, and to, to figure out how to, how to keep the world going. Yeah, that I, I tried to think about that a lot. And I think that there's a natural, um, just a natural moment of like, poor me, but and because this was something I mean, I wrote you and me and us in 2016, and it came out in 2020. So it was a four year wait. And I was like, three weeks into the pandemic, if it had happened a little <laughs> like later or earlier, it could have been different. But thinking about, you know, what really got me was people who had planned weddings and people you know, kids for graduation and prom. And those are not things you can necessarily like redo a year later. They're, they're lifetime moments. And the fact that the whole country and the whole world was going through it together was, there was some solidarity in that. And, um, and also just knowing that how serious it was and, and I was fortunate to be healthy, but so many people were sick and it's so much, it's about so many more important things that that really helped me put it into perspective. I'll tell you what, um, one of my daughters got married, uh, the beginning of last summer and you talk about crazy, try <laughs> planning a wedding in the middle of, I I'm serious. We, we had locked in like seven different venues. I think it is uh, over and and something would happen and we would move venues and then someone would get COVID and then, uh, Oy. and, and then, you know, and, and three weeks before the wedding, uh, my new son-in-law got COVID. Oh, and, gosh. And, and so, you know, then everybody had to quarantine and then we, we finally wound up just having an outdoor wedding. And, um, you know, we live in a part of the country where it, it rains, um, a fair amount, not like the Pacific Northwest or anything, but mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's kind of a crapshoot all the time, whether you can, Oh man, when, when that was over, everybody just sighed, you know, this yeah. <laughs> relief and said, Oh, hopefully never again. Um, so, so where were you in the, when, when all of this is going on last year mm-hmm. and you know that little pieces of me will be coming out as your next book because you'd already finished the the draft and, um, what was the the process of finishing this book like and and did you you know did you kind of become worldly wise as to okay now I you know maybe this is going to affect how the next book launches as well what has the last year been like for you I don't think I had any idea I mean when we when we went into shelter in place we like you said we thought it would be a few weeks and so I think that there was a point where I was like, okay, this is kind of the new normal. Um, But I don't know if I imagined, I don't know if I let myself think about this next book and that we'd be doing it again, but I've learned a lot and I'm approaching it a little bit differently, doing some of the same things. One thing I learned is not to try and recreate what would have happened in person because an in-person experience is so different than a virtual experience. And there's different pros and there's different cons to, to each. And instead of trying to recreate something that isn't, I'm, I'm really trying to embrace the virtual and think of things that, 
you know, I wouldn't be able to do if it was in person. So for my launch event, I'm in conversation with my friend, Kristen Harmel, New York Times bestselling author. Oh, um, yeah. I know Kristen. She's amazing. Yeah. And she lives in Florida and I'm in Chicago. So, you know, if it was in person, unless I like bought her a flight, but I mean, she has such a busy <laughs> life and, you know, family, like it, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be realistic for us to be in conversation for my launch. But because it's virtual, I have a friend in Connecticut, um, Stephen Kellogg, an author and singer-songwriter who's going to um, MC the night and play a song. And I'll be in Chicago and Kristen's in Florida. And so I'm really trying to embrace the virtual space and make it um, make it something that is fun and interesting and different because people are so zoomed out. And so I'm really trying to find things that will make it fun for everybody. Great. Authors, I have a fantastic new service to tell you about. It's called PubSite. PubSite is a service to help you build your very own website, your home on the web, where you can promote your work and give your fans a place to connect with you. PubSite is a website platform that allows every author, regardless of budget, to have a great-looking professional website developed by the book marketing professionals at FSB Associates. PubSite is the new easy-to-use DIY website builder developed specifically for books and authors. Whether you're an author of one book or 20, or a small publisher, PubSite allows you to build, design, and most importantly, update your website pain-free. No need to be dependent on a designer or webmaster to make a small but costly change to your website. Save the money and do it yourself. PubSite is the best platform for authors because it's a book-centric platform. PubSite was built just for authors and small publishers. Every design, feature, and layout is book-centric. They have customized designs for you to use. It's easy to build. No coding or HTML is necessary to create a stunning, professional-looking website with all the features you want. Get a custom domain name, yourname.com. It's simple to update. You can add all of your books, add a blog and a book tour, sell from any retailer, manage your email list and social media, and even do e-commerce. Build your website with a 14-day free trial, then pay just $19.99 per month, which includes hosting. And we offer packages starting at $499 to set up the website for you. Pub-Site.com, the place to help authors find their home on the web. Well, let's talk about the new book. Little Pieces of Me is uh, is such a great premise uh, for this book um, because this is it deals with things that are kind of part of the zeitgeist now. We we all are very familiar with these uh personal dna tests and and uh, there's there's kind of a resurgence of of people wanting to to dig into their family history and and it's it's so easy and so accessible now um wh- what was the first idea that you got for this book yeah so um the book was actually inspired by something that happened to a friend of mine so back in 2017, um, a friend of mine owns a bar that was closing. And so a bunch of us went there to kind of have one last hurrah. And I saw a friend of mine sitting at the bar and walked up to her and I said, hi. And she said, you'll never guess what I found out from Ancestry.com. And so I guessed, yeah. And so I guessed a few political and historical figures that I knew she wouldn't want to be related to. And she kept saying like, no, no, no. And finally, I was like, OK, I give up. Tell me. And she told me that she had gotten a parent-child alert for a man who is not her father. Um, Her father passed away a few years before. 
And at first she had, you know, thought there was no way it could happen, um, that it could be true. But she did some Googling and found out that this man went to college the same time and place her parents did when she was conceived. And I was just, my head started spinning and I was like, oh my gosh, this sounds like the premise for an amazing novel. And so the story is not her story, but that is where um, the spark of the idea came from. I can only imagine that is the, you know, we, any of anybody that has done any ancestry work or any genealogy work has, has undoubtedly uncovered um, some family connections that are, that are amazing and you can't wait to tell people about it. And then there Mm -hmm. are the family connections that you see that you just kind of skip over. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I did one myself. I felt like it was only right. Um, but I roped my whole family into it too. (laughs) So, um, two years ago for the holidays, I, I handed identically wrapped boxes to my mom, my dad, my dad's girlfriend, my sister and brother-in-law. Um, and I'd gotten them all Ancestry.com tests. And as soon as everybody opened them, my dad handed my sister, my brother-in-law, and I similar boxes. He had gotten us 23andMe kits. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so we all did them. And so far, everybody has, has shown up that was supposed to show up. There were no <laughs> big surprises. But I do have to tell you, every time I get an email about a new match, I have this moment of panic. Like, what did I... Did I put something in the universe that I'm going to find something out? But so far, it's been been pretty okay. That's so funny. So you alluded earlier that um, the the title that you had in mind was blank page and page spelled P A I G E. Um, well, Paige Meyer is is the character that we encounter in the book. Um, Tell me, where did Paige come from? I, I know you had this encounter with this friend and it started that the, the gears turning, but, but where, how did Paige come into this and, and how did you conceive of her? Really great question. Um, a lot of books have women that are in, in their like twenties and thirties. And I thought it would be interesting if she was a little bit older. And so Paige is in her, in her early forties, I think she's 42 or 43. And she's dealing with a lot of different changes in her identity. So she's getting married. So she's a a late bride, um, which she has some insecurities with, not because, um, you know, she wants to get married. It took her however long to find her person, and she's confident in that. But the wedding industry is so catered to um, to younger women. And she has two twin sisters who are 12 years younger than her. And I think that that the the relationship with her and her sisters plays a big part into it. And that was one of the first things that I that I realized I wanted to have. I wanted to have that, you know, family dynamics are so interesting. And I think that with families that do have a big age gap between the first and the second or however many kids, it's always a, a question and like, oh, why were you an accident? Was somebody else an accident? And it just ups ups the stakes a little bit. So that was an early decision. Um, again, I work in advertising and so I thought it'd be interesting to have Paige working in advertising and having her be between jobs again, just upped her personal feeling of, of upheaval about who she is. You know, for me, my job, both as an author and as a, a creative director in advertising is such a big part of my identity. And I've been, you know, in between jobs at moments and like not having work email to check is like the weirdest unsettling feeling, even if it's just a week between jobs and all of those changes that she's already feeling, um, getting married and trying to figure out her next career move just made it 
made it feel like the, you know, then I do feel a little bit bad for dropping this one last bomb on her. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, an interesting thing happens, and and uh, I think we've we've kind of alluded to it enough. Um, Paige has a DNA test and finds mm-hmm. out that her father is not her father, or who she thought was her father is not her father. Um, an interesting um, turn that you took in the book is that the the man that she thought was her father um, is is dead now. He's he's right. deceased. So she gets this information and and can't confront him about it. Um, but she can confront her mother who, you know, her relationship with her mother is, is, is what it is. And for a, a lot of people, um, we don't have the best relationships with, with our parents, especially as, as we become grounded in who we are. Um, when, when you started thinking about this, you know, how, how would you have Paige navigate this news that dropped on her, um, when when did the, the decision come about to have her not be able to talk to the man that she thought was her father? Was, was that an important decision for you? So I think part of that might have come from the fact that that was my friend's experience and that like that's where the idea started. And it, it seemed interesting and it seemed, you know, like just being not able to get some of these answers. And did he know? Did he not know? Would it change things? Would it have changed things? Um, there's a lot of things in life that we don't have control over and that we can't know. And I think that when mem- someone is gone, you know, you automatically remember the best parts of them and they become slightly, you know, better and elevated than they were in real life, even though we know that that Mark, her, the dad she grew up with, was a pretty wonderful person. It just makes it a little bit more interesting and secretive. And the stakes, it changes the stakes for her mom because if it had been a secret, and her dad is gone, then there would be no reason for her to lie. Um, and so I, it just, it, it really helped elevate the stakes. And it um, also when, you know, Paige goes out to try and figure things out and decides whether or not to reach out to this man, her DNA dad, it, it, you know, is it, is she trying to replace her dad? No. Is it, it just, it just made things a little bit more complex. And unfortunately I love my characters, but for the sake of the story, sometimes I do have to dial up the tension and put them in some uncomfortable situations. <laughs> so when when you're thinking about um, Paige's relationship to her mother and then what this news is going to do for that, um, mm-hmm. are, are you of the camp where you have a trajectory that you think these characters are going to go and, and that you uh, want to place them into or are you of the camp that I'm going to set the stage, introduce this dynamic, and then see what the characters are going to do? Um, how, how do how do the characters talk with you, for for lack of a better term, you know, in a situation like that? A little bit of both. Um, the more I've been writing, the more I've become. I used to call myself a plotzer, um, yeah. which was a part plotter and part pantser who kind of flies by the seat of their pants. And the more I've gone, my, my critique partner the other day was like, you you have to change your answer. You are a plotter. So I do I do plot things out pretty, pretty much, but I always leave room for the characters to surprise me. And even if I know what's going to happen in chapter, the point of the chapter, the characters will say or do something that surprises me. And so I always leave room for that. But I do have a general idea of where the story is going. And maybe not when I sit down to start plotting it out. But, you know, 
that moment where I'm like, okay, well, if this happens, then this happens. So uh, there really is that that part of discovery. So some of it is me, but some of it is definitely um, the character's decisions. <laughs> Have you had a situation where the character completely changed the direction that you thought a book was going to go? Good question. Um, I'm not sure. They've they've definitely um, made some things more intense or thrown a little bit of a, of a loophole, but, um, I can't think of one offhand when, uh, so the, the pages relationship with Elizabeth or, or Betsy, mm-hmm. um, you know, is, is a, a, a certain way. And I, I'm, I'm trying not to say, um, too many specific things, yeah. uh, but then as, you know, as this information comes out and then she starts to learn more about her mother, um, do you think this is a uh, this is a typical kind of situation like like we think yeah. our parents are a certain way um and and we have a hard time humanizing our parents uh, if, I really if, do and and for the record my mom when she found out I was writing a second book where there's a difficult mother-daughter relationship she's like come on because um, <laughs> we have a great relationship and so she always likes me to to let that be known but there I realized you know, a lot of times I'm putting things into stories that that are maybe in my subconscious that I don't fully realize until later. And that theme of adult children or even teenage children having the realization that your parents were people before they were your parents and that they are, you know, again, identity, like being your parents is part of who they are, but it's not the full who they are. Um, there was a scene in You and Me and Us when Cece is upset at something that she didn't know about her her dad. And she's like, but you're my dad. And her dad's like, but I'm also my own person. And that struck with her. And, you know, that's maybe one revelation that I don't know if I realized until the characters, you know, I didn't, they said those things. I don't always put words in their mouth. So maybe on that kind of level, they're showing me the story and maybe they're showing me the meaning of the story. But I think Paige has the, has the same, has the same kind of experience. And she and her mom, they have a difficult relationship and Paige assumes it's for, it's because she was born in college and she ruined her mom's college experience. And she thinks that her mom resents her and, and all these things. And because, you know, one of the things I, I also kind of uncovered in the book is that Paige and her mom both want the same thing. They both want a relationship with each other. They both want to be loved. They both, you know, want this. But they're both very stubborn and they get in their own way and secrets start growing and um, become a wall between them. So, uh, so Allison, at at the end of this book, when Mm -hmm. when people are finished with it and they and they close the back cover, um, what do you hope people are left with? Do you do you you hope that that people see their parents as as real people, as three dimensional Mm -hmm. people? Um, What do you hope people are left with? So one of my favorite reviews that I've seen on Goodreads, and I know I'm not supposed to look, but I can't help it. Um, <laughs> but one of my favorites said, I'm going to, you know, after reading this, I want to call my mom and ask her about her as a person. And that just like gave me all the feels like I just loved that so much. Um, I think that there's that's definitely part of what I want them to take away. And I also want people to take away just the thought about identity and that you are more than people are more than their DNA. They're more than their job. They're more than their marital status. They're more than, than all these different labels we try to put on ourselves. Um, really like the title says, they're all little pieces of who you are. 
Um, and it's the way the pieces come together and the way they evolve and what you do with them that that makes you you. I think the the natural inclination with a book like this is to think of how we see our parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other side of that is as parents of those of us that are parents, um, maybe a book like this can help us to be, um, if not more transparent with our kids, um, maybe to to project a, a little more humanity. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely. Uh, that- yeah, that that's a that's it 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 always helps to to look at things from the other perspective for sure. Well, I think one of the things they say about about books is that you know it the story belongs to me only until I put it out in the world, and then after that it belongs to the reader. And I think that every reader brings their own life experience and their own relationships into it, and they might read things a different way or see things differently. And I do think that there are. A lot of a lot of questions and a lot of thought starters, and I think that that's part of why I'm so excited for it to be out there and to start talking to readers because I love hearing how it resonates and what things stand out and what things people people connect to. Absolutely. So, Allison, I know that you're um, busy writing like book five or six, but what's what's the next thing that's gonna come out, or, or do you have something slated for next year? I have so many things. I'm not sure if it's going to be next year or the year after. The pandemic mixed things up a little bit. But um, I'm working on um, several projects right now. One project is about, was um, inspired by something that happened with with, um, a friend of mine. But it is about um, a group of friends who are grieving the loss of one of their girlfriends. And they all step in to help um, raise her friend's baby, her friend's one-year-old. Um, so it is, it's not as sad as it sounds, but it is, you know, I feel like my stories are usually about family and friendship, loss and love. And it's about, this one has a little bit of a romance in it too. I am also working on a book with singer songwriter and author Stephen Kellogg that I'm really excited about. Um, we've been, we've, this has been one of my big quarantine projects and we're working on a book about a, um, past his prime singer songwriter in his 50s who goes on tour with an up-and-coming young singer songwriter in her 20s and as they travel the country together both teaching each other different things about um, themselves and the industry and life which I'm really excited about Um, and then I also I know it's crazy I'm doing so much I have a, a new side project I'm working on with my critique partner um, we are writing rom-coms together. And so we, we have a, a pen name. Um, her name is Brady and I'm Allison. So we are Allie Brady. And um, that's another thing I'm excited about. So fun. So much it's good crazy. stuff coming. I can't <laughs> wait to hear what uh, all, all the new news coming up. Well, the new book, Little Pieces of Me, is available everywhere now. When you're hearing this, you can grab it uh, in, in actual paper or uh, Kindle edition. I, I'm assuming there's going to be an audiobook. Is that right? There is. And I'm a huge audiobook fan. Like, I, that's the only way I can make time to read. Me and too. I love it when audiobooks include the extras that are in print and digital copies. So this time again, I was able to record the behind the book essay. So if you listen to the audiobook at the end, you'll hear me reading the essay that that digs a little deeper into the story um, and the writing process. So much fun. I'll put links to all those uh, things in the uh, show notes of this episode to make it easy for people to find it. Uh, Allison, always a pleasure to talk to you. Um, Tell people where they can find you online. 
Yes, thank you so much. It's always so much fun to talk to you. Um, I am This Hammer, not That Hammer, but This Hammer on all social media platforms. And my website is Allison, A-L-I-S-O-N, Hammer, H-A-M-M-E-R.com. Excellent. We'll put links to uh, all those places where people can find you. Go grab little pieces of me. It's available everywhere now. Allison, thank you so much for taking time to come back on the show. Thanks for having me again. And we'll cut it right there. Uh, that was fantastic. Thank oh, thank you. So you. Much. I just always have so much fun talking to you. I really appreciate you having well, me back. Absolutely. Uh, when we release this, we'll send you a link to it and we'll promote it everywhere. Amazing. Really appreciate it. Good. Thanks, Allison. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Authors, if you're looking for a partner to help ensure that your book is the best it can possibly be, look no farther than Pico's House. Crystal and her staff make a conscious effort to be critical yet courteous. They also strive to make the business side of things run smoothly so that you can rest easy knowing that your manuscript is in capable hands. Whether you need beta reading, developmental editing, a manuscript critique, line editing, copy editing, or proofreading, Pico's House is the one-stop shop for you. Check them out today at picoshouse.com to get started. Are you looking for software that helps you bring your novel to life? Novelize is a web-based writing app which allows you to access your work on any device with a browser and an internet connection. Right from your desktop, laptop, tablet, or smartphone, just get the novel written. Say goodbye to sticky notes. With our notebook on the side, you can keep track of all the important information you need to write your novel. We keep distractions to a minimum, help you track your progress, and encourage you to write more novels. You can even use the same notebook for your novels in a series. Outline, write, or organize your novel by switching between modes. You can write your outline notes while you're writing, and you can move scenes and chapters around anytime in the organized mode. Choose between the dark and light theme to help prevent eye strain so that you can stay immersed in your book. Novelize, the app for writers by writers.